Welcome to worship on this Memorial Day weekend. We are so grateful that you are joining us today. Normally, this weekend is one that is a little lighter attended at Redeemer, as it is the first long weekend in Michigan that kicks off the beginning of summer. With the restrictions still in place, this weekend may look a little different than you had originally planned. No matter where you are this weekend or how your plans may have changed, thanks to technology, we are able to come together for worship today. I am Tammy Bowman, Director of Middle School Ministry, and I have the pleasure of speaking with you today. It is a bit weird, as Rod has mentioned before, to be speaking to an empty worship space and having to remember to make eye contact with the camera instead of with people in the audience. So I will do my best. I have had a little practice with recording student videos in the gym over the past two months, so I am glad for that unexpected training. Before I get started with today's message, I wanted to remind you of a few resources we have available for you online to continue your learning at home. We have the message notes, we have the life group study guide, and you can check out the next steps. Now I know some of you might be thinking that you're not part of a life group or your life group isn't currently meeting. That's okay. Whoever you're watching the video with today, whether it's yourself, a spouse, or your children, after the message, I encourage you to pull up the message notes and the next steps and discuss these things at home with your family. Last week, Pastor Rod finished a five-week series on the Apostles' Creed. It was an insightful and challenging series, to say the least. Being boldly to, challenge, to claim what I believe isn't something I've ever really spent a lot of time reflecting upon. Sure, there are times when someone asks me what I believe about Jesus, and I share with them. But to boldly state and claim my belief in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, isn't something I just put out for everyone I speak with. This series really stretched me, and I hope it did the same for you. I have been asking myself what it looks like to truly believe these words of the Apostles' Creed. How does that change me on the inside? And how does that change my behavior and my attitude on the outside? Because believing in God changes all aspects of who we are and how we live. I wonder how reflecting on this series has changed you too. It's so important to know what we believe. We have to understand what we are saying when we say that we are a Christian or a Christ follower. Digging into the Apostles' Creed helped us with doing just that. So now, what do we do in response to our belief? The answer will look different for everyone. But there are some ways that you can explore this and what this will be like for you. Remember, just like how you are the only one who can make the decision to follow Jesus Christ, it is your responsibility to be in communication with God as you seek out what it means for you to live out your faith. Sure, others may recognize certain gifts or abilities in your life that may help you but there is no shortcut when it comes to going straight to the source, the one who created you. You've made the decision to believe him. Now what's stopping you from taking the next steps, the steps of trust and obedience? With these two steps, it's not so clear as to which happens first. Sometimes we decide to trust God in a certain situation 
and then our response is to obey. Then there are other times when we decide that we just need to obey God, and then we respond by trusting him through the process. But for today, we are going to start with trust. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. David wrote these words as a part of a prayer when he was surrounded by trouble. It reminds us that God is the only real source of safety. We often run to God when we are experiencing difficulties. But David saw out God's guidance every day, so when hard times came his way, he was already in God's presence, and so he was prepared. We too can seek out God anytime, not just during the difficult times. David understood that spending time with God would help him to trust God in all situations. The definition of trust is to place one's confidence in. So naturally, we have to place our trust in something or someone. Where do we find our trust? Or what place do we place our confidence in? For some, it might be our jobs, our marriages, families, our relationships, our finances, our health, the government, or our own abilities. But if we place our trust in these kind of things, what happens when they break or they fail us? We are reminded in Hebrews 13, 5 through 9, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. Author Meg Buecher tells us that God commands our confident trust in him. In a world that encourages us to believe in ourselves and to achieve all we deserve and desire, it is paramount to understand who and whose we are. When we take the next step of placing our trust in God, we have the confidence of knowing that it is unbreakable and it will never go away. The second step that we can take is to obey. Obedience isn't an easy thing to do. People really struggle with submitting to authority and following orders. Just take a look around at the state and country, at people who are choosing every day whether or not they want to obey and follow the rules in regards to stay home, stay safe restrictions and other COVID-19 regulations. People do not like being told what to do. We like to think and make decisions for ourselves. The obedience that God calls us to is very different from what we might think. 
People often think of obedience as a way for God to control people that somehow ultimately means that all Christians think the same. And since we live in a very expressive and individualistic society, these two things do not seem to align very well with each other. Being obedient to God does not mean we are controlled by God. Those are two very different things. God gives us free will, and that's why Adam and Eve were able to make the choice to disobey God in the garden. And we have been able to sin and disobey God ever since. If he wanted to control us, we wouldn't have the choices we do. But with this freedom to choose, we have the freedom to choose him. And we have the freedom to declare that he is God. When we make this declaration of faith, we are given the gift of salvation. And this gift includes many things, such as forgiveness, repentance, eternal life, a personal relationship with Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. All of these are incredible gifts, and I could spend a lot of time discussing each one. But for now, I'm going to focus on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is crucial to the Christian faith. And as Rod mentioned last week, the Holy Spirit brings God to us so we can bring God to others. The river flows from us to others. A genuine believer in Christ is never self-centered. And obedience flows from this also. In Philippians 2, 12 and 13, we read, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. When we are filled with the Spirit, we work along with it to be obedient to God's will. We are not perfect at this. We mess up all the time, but we are forgiven, and with God's help, we can try to align with his will again. This process is called sanctification. Author Joe Saxton reminds us that one of the greatest hopes we have as Christians is that God is with us and working in us always. The Holy Spirit lives in us as a helper as we follow Jesus in obedience to God. These next steps of trust and obedience are not easy steps to take. They are a response to our faith, and they require action. The Bible is filled with examples of people who trusted God during unbelievable circumstances and obeyed even when the outcome seemed impossible. As we look at some of these people, it can be easy to think that they were chosen by God or that they had some superhuman power to be able to do these things. And you know what? You'd be right. They were chosen by God, and they did have a special power. But the same is true for you. God chose you, and when you accepted the gift of salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit entered your life as well. Let me say that again. God chose you, 
And when you accepted the gift of salvation, the power of the Holy Spirit entered your life as well. It's incredible to think about. Let's take a look at one of those examples in the Bible, David. David was anointed at a young age, and he grew to become a great king of Israel. And although it appears as though everything was just handed to him, that's not the case at all. David had to trust and obey God, and just like us, sometimes he did this very well, and sometimes he wasn't so good at it. Saul was the first king of Israel, but Saul's disobedience led to God rejecting him as king. In 1 Samuel 12, we are introduced to David. Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. Jesse had eight sons, and seven of the sons passed by Samuel, and all seven were not chosen by God. But there was one other son, the youngest son, who was out tending the sheep. And when the youngest arrived, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, This is the one. Anoint him. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Since the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, he was left being tormented by an evil spirit. And he requested for one of his attendants to find a good musician to come and play the harp to help calm him down and make him feel better. His servant answered, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. This son was David, and he went to King Saul, and he began serving him. And Saul was very pleased with him. David's reputation preceded him. He was known for being a talented musician, a brave warrior, a man of war, and having good judgment. In fact, the New King James translation says that he was prudent in speech. Others also knew by watching David that the Lord was with him. But David didn't just one day possess all these remarkable gifts. They took years to develop. David had a passion for music, and he practiced. He played to become a talented musician. He worked at being a good, strong, protective shepherd. And he had to learn to develop good judgment. And while learning and developing all these skills, he stayed committed to God, and people noticed David's strong faith and obedience led him to the king's palace and to the battlegrounds. Listen to the words David spoke to King Saul about fighting Goliath. Don't worry about the Philistine. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. 
And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And this is how David ends his statement in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David had complete trust in God. A few years years later, we read the words that David spoke to Goliath just before killing him. You come to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. And with no armor, just five smooth stones and a slingshot, David killed the giant, Goliath. David's obedience and trust in God led him to do incredible things. He was obedient to God, and that was reflected in his obedience in many different situations that he was placed in. He was obedient long before he ever had that stone in his hand. His obedience led him to be prepared to face that giant, and his trust came long before he stood face to face with Goliath. He learned to trust God long ago when he was out protecting his sheep and goats and had to fight the lions and bears. He continued to trust and obey God throughout his life and during his reign as king. And even when he made mistakes, he was willing to be honest about them, and still to this day he is known as a man after God's own heart and the greatest king of Israel. We can learn so much from this time in David's life. It reminds us to take a closer look at how we spend our time. What talents or gifts do we want to develop further? What things are we learning and discovering about ourselves? What skills are we developing? And how is God using this time right now to help prepare us for what is next? We've been living in this time of uncertainty with COVID-19 for a couple months now. And while we don't know how all of this is going to play out, we do know that this isn't a time of uncertainty for God. And that gives us tremendous hope for the future. Some days are hard, like really hard. Some days aren't so bad. And some days are great. So much has been taken from us and yet so much has been given to us. Some days it seems like we have everything figured out and it's functioning well, and then other days, nothing goes as planned. We can all agree that there is no magic five-step solution when dealing with over nine weeks of quarantine. And each one of our situations are so very different. I often think about how difficult it must be for parents of young children. But then I am reminded of how hard it is to have adult children or even grandkids that you can't be with. There are those who have parents in nursing homes who just don't seem to understand why their loved ones can't come visit them. 
or those who may be grieving the loss of a loved one and haven't been able to say goodbye or have a funeral for them. Maybe you're wondering if you'll still have a job at the end of all of this. Or you just don't have the heart to tell your kids that yet another thing is canceled and that there is no end in sight that indicates when we'll be able to return to normalcy, whatever that will even look like. But then there's the other side of all this. There's the good stuff. The connections that are being made the old-fashioned way by writing letters and making telephone calls to check in on loved ones and even connecting with someone you don't know. There's appreciating the dedication of essential workers such as cashiers and fast food restaurant employees who are often at the receiving end of so much complaining and entitled customers. There's family time. So much family time. Many have been going at an unsustainable pace for far too long, and this has been the giant pause that we've been longing for. People are stepping up to share their gifts with others in new and innovative ways. From medical personnel, pastors, teachers, musicians, artists, and all of those who are sewing face masks, just to name a few. For many, including myself, we have been called out of our comfort zone and have had to find new ways to do things. But just like David, this didn't happen overnight. We have been preparing for this for a long time. We just didn't know what we were preparing for. Yes, many different situations are out there, but as Christians, we are called to be faithful in all circumstances, to trust in God's goodness and be obedient to his will. In closing, I have a few questions to leave you with. What are you going to be doing when this quarantine ends? Are you going to pick up as though it never happened? Or are you going to be purposeful in using what God is developing in you right now? Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for your never-ending mercy and grace. Help us to seek your will in all that we say and do especially as we focus on living out what we believe. Help us to be purposeful in spending time with you so that when difficult situations arise, we are prepared because we have been in your presence. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.